So as I said, we are busy with a sermon series. And who of you likes stories? Not gossip, but stories. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a difference. And so we, uh, Christmas is about stories, isn't it? I always think we, we overanalyze what happened over Christmas. We overanalyze and we can't understand a virgin birth and we can't understand that, uh, you know, Herod could kill so many kids and we can't understand the Magi. And, and so for me, as like, when I think of Christmas, I think of the Christmas story. And I love to tell stories. And so I'm going to tell you a story today. And it's all about Mary. And I want you to go back into 2,000 years ago. So maybe you just sit back and relax, okay? Because it's not, it's not necessarily something that you have to concentrate on. But listen to the story. Listen to the interaction between Gabriel and Mary. Because I think, my, I remember my, my, my lecturer, my preaching lecturer used to tell me, if you can tell, if you can take the Bible and read from the Bible, it could be your whole sermon. Because it's the way you interpret that scripture. It's the way you tell that story. And so we're not going to read, but I am going to ask you to go home and read the story for yourselves. But what I'm going to tell you today is the story. And it's all about... Um, it's, you can find it in Luke, Luke 1 from verse 26, and it's all about Mary, and it goes all the way to verse 36. Now Mary is 14 years old or 15 years old. Can you guys remember when you were 14 or 15 years old? I know for some it will be difficult. But for others, <laughs> I'm joking. I can't, I can't remember when I was 14 or 15 years old. But it is, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know. And I used to love, um, uh, love stories. But when I was 14, man, I didn't, I didn't understand the world. I knew nothing about the world. I used to have, um, I used to still have a cowboy suit and I had those play guns. And I mean, that was my life. And so... Just think about Mary, who is so young and has to take on this massive responsibility. So I want to tell you the story. So will you bear with me as I tell you this story? Mary, my mother calls from the path in front of our home on the outskirts of Nazareth. We'll be back in a while Make sure you finish the mending. Her voice trails off as she and my little sisters head out for the market. It's finally quiet. Of course, father and the boys left for the fields hours ago. And now I'm all alone, gloriously alone. Alone with my, with my thoughts and dreams and the family, and the family mending of the linen. I sit near the window so the morning sun will light my stitching. I sew and think and sew and think of, of turning 14, of kind Joseph, 
the village carpenter whom I am pledged, whom I love, of how life will be like in a year's time from now when we are married. They call me the, they'll call me the carpenter's wife, and finally I'll be uh, thought of as a woman rather than a girl. We'll have children of our own, and I hear a step on the threshold. Standing in the doorway is a man tall, extremely tall and bright, with gold sash girding his shining robe. I've never seen him in Nazareth. Who is he? What does he want? He's looking directly at me. Shalom, daughter, he says, upon whom the favor of the Lord is resting. He begins, the Lord is with you. What kind of greeting is this? Who am I that he should speak to me so? Should I cry for help? Should I climb out the window and run? But I sit paralyzed with my mending still in my lap. Needle and thread fallen to the floor. What brings you to our humble house, good sir? The words roll out of my mouth without me even realizing that I'm speaking. The man stoops to enter the door and then as if to put me to ease, he lowers himself on one knee. So his imposing height will seem less intimidating. Do not be afraid, Mary, he says. You have found favor with God. I've been holding my breath. I realize that, but now relax even to let it out and take another breath. His next words, however, terrify me. You will be with child and give birth to a son and are to give him the name Jesus. Me, with child, be a son. I'm just a girl in my father's house. But he goes on, and it is all I can do to keep up with the words which sound like a formal decree from a king or from someone he represents. You will give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. The man has finished his message for a moment. I brush the hair away from my face. How will this be? I stammer. Since I am a virgin. He must be an angel. The royal manor and the presence, the shining garments. I clutch the mending still tighter in my fist. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He's not talking about my marriage in a year and little Joseph nine months later. No, he's talking about some kind of miraculous pregnancy. A pregnancy from God himself. A holy child who is God's son, body and spirit. Why me, a peasant daughter in a hill country village? Why is God calling a mother for his holy son? Why? 
The angel doesn't answer my wise, but his tone changes from royal herald to gentle explainer. He says, did you know that your cousin Elizabeth is in, in Judea, is pregnant? Old Elizabeth, the priest's wife, she must be 60 by now. How amazing, how wonderful. Yes, he goes on. Though everyone thought she would never have a baby, she's already six months pregnant. And the angel is smiling. And now I'm smiling too. Elizabeth, six months pregnant. What a divine joke. How happy she must be. I look at the angel once more. But the smile is gone. There's a friendliness and a wrath, but no smile. Mary, he assures me, nothing is impossible with God. Then he's silent, waiting. So I'm to be the mother of the promised Messiah. How can it be? And yet this God angel, it must be true. But what about Joseph? Dear Joseph, who loves me, he could never understand this. He would never believe me. And my mother and father, the village for that matter, how could anyone understand? I don't understand it either. But I find I believe it. Deep within, I know that this angel bears a mere message directly from God himself. I glance up again. He's still waiting. No convincing, no arguing, no badgering. Just waiting for an answer to take back to the Lord. Mary, mother of God's son. It sounds so strange. I'm weeping now, overcome with love for God who is trusting me to carry out this awesome mission for him. At the same time though, the thoughts rush in to complete for my attention, thoughts of my future, of Joseph, my parents, and my friends. I can't expect anyone to stand by me through this. Can I bear it? I look at my lap. I've twisted my brother's clothes to a pulp. And I unroll it, and I try to pat out the wrinkles. And I say, yes, I am willing. If God will help me. I look up at the angel and speak quietly but clearly. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. The angel's face beams and he rises to his full height. My goodness, is he tall. The sun from the window catches his golden sash for just a moment and moving sparkles cascade upon the walls and the ceiling and the floor. Now I hear the sound of children laughing and glance out the window to see my sister skipping up the path, my mother a few steps behind them. I motion to the angel to leave quickly, but he is no longer there. There were a couple of words in the story that I loved. See, Jesus uses a young child. God uses a young child. 
to do his work. He uses Mary, who does not know life, but knows God. She finds it impossible to think that she can bear that child. How can it be? What will people think? What will the reaction be? But Gabriel says to her, through God, anything is possible. It's the most amazing story. Because it has relevance for you and for me. As God uses you wherever you are at and uses me wherever I'm at. And if we obey that call, we can do the work that God wants us to do. This story is incredible. And I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. What would you do? What would you say? a miraculous story but God is nothing more than miraculous and so today I wanted to tell you that story it's not my story Ralph Wilson wrote that story but I know that story touched my heart just in a small way saying you must listen. You must obey. Just like that child obeyed. Just as she brought in the Prince of Peace. When you leave here today, I'd like to remind you that Mary, Jesus was the first person that Mary saw when he was born. And when he died, he was the la- she was the last person that he saw after his, before his resurrection on that cross. His mother stood by him day and night, maybe sometimes not understanding like mothers do. Mothers don't always understand us uh, children, but they still love us. And that's exactly what she did. But we need to be obedient to that. And so, when you go read that Christmas story again, maybe it touches your heart somewhere. Maybe it's saying to you, nothing is impossible. Trust in God. Let us pray. Mighty Lord God, we come into your presence today. saying wow Lord we think of Mary sitting there in her home and maybe doing the sewing or making the food or whatever she needed to do and you're sending Gabriel with a message Lord she must have been frightened like we are frightened And yet, Lord, she was so obedient. 
So, Lord, we come today with all the thoughts in our hearts and in our minds, knowing that you love us unconditionally. But at the same time, Lord, we sometimes find ourselves in a situation where we can't see the outcome. And all we see is heartache and pain. And so today, Lord, we pray that you will help us too to see your will. And that we do not overthink it, but that we give it over to you and hand it over to you in your hands today. Lord, this morning we pray for all those people that are ill. We have many folk in our church, Lord, that are really, really in a bad way. Be it physical, be it mental, be it emotional. Lord, you know them. You also know the families that look after them and the families that, that just want to care for them. And we pray today, Lord, that you, will, that you will show them, the carers, the way. That they will hand it over to you today. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for the world that seems to be falling apart, Lord. We don't understand and we don't know how it works, but we pray today, Lord, that you will guide us and that you will be there to assist us. We thank you for what you did on that cross. We thank you, Lord, that you were born a child, a baby, like all of us. And that you walked the, walked the streets and walked Israel. And that you preached and that you taught and that you forgave and that you healed. But that you were and that you are our Lord. So be with us now as we go into communion. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.